0: Hi, and welcome to the Domestic CEO Podcast. I'm Amanda Thomas. Welcome to the Domestic CEO Podcast. Today I have Stever Robbins, host of the Get It Done Guy Podcast. And hopefully you already subscribed to him. If not, you'll definitely want to check him out, especially after this episode. Stever focuses on workplace productivity. So as we're talking about Clear the Clutter Month, we thought this would be a great episode to bring him in on and get some advice from him on productivity in the workplace and how that can be applied to the home. But first, I do want to thank today's sponsor, Nature Box. You can discover a smarter snacking with a new Nature Box each month. Get 50% off your first box when you go to naturebox.com QDT. I know in my home, the dark cocoa almonds are a favorite. They are sweet, but just enough crunch and enough of a saltiness to really get you through any craving that you have in the afternoon. Mr. Domestic CEO absolutely loves them and they're becoming one of my favorites too. So make sure again to check out naturebox.com QDT and get 50% off your first box box of Nature Box. So welcome, Stever.
1: Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: To start off, can you just give us kind of a rundown of how does clutter get in the way of productivity? What do you see?
1: Well, I see a couple of things. One of the big ways that clutter gets in the way of productivity is it adds time to everything you do. Because if you have clutter and the clutter is on top of something that you know you need to get to, you have to physically take the clutter, I know this from personal experience, by the way, you have to physically take the clutter, move it somewhere else, get to the thing underneath, and then move the clutter back to where it originally was or else you'll trip over it. The problem with this is now what would have been just reaching down to pick something up has become a production where you have to move a bunch of other stuff to get to the thing you want to pick up. doesn't sound like much. If it takes you an extra five or six seconds, or it'll actually take a little more than that, 20 or 30 seconds, depending upon how much you have to move and how much looking you have to do. And let's say you have to do that 10 times a day. That's five minutes a day times 250 workdays a year. And all of a sudden, what you just discovered is that you've just spent an entire day doing nothing. And that's, that's just one delay of five to 30 seconds. Now, add to that that every now and then, you're going to need something that you don't have a home for. You had just stuck it in a pile somewhere and you're gonna have to dig through tons and tons of piles in your zombie world domination plans and your plans to take over the world thread market and here's the, the stock market collapse that you were engineering. And you have to go through all this stuff in order to find that all-important glasses cleaning cloth you need to do so you can see your screen to work on all of your nefarious plans. And again, I'm speaking from personal experience here. And (laughs) what that means is that a task that should have taken you five seconds, which is reaching out for glasses cleaning cloth, instead just took you 10 minutes and created that much more clutter. So clutter is really a danger, it makes things take longer, and some things it makes take a lot longer, and in the process of taking longer, it creates more clutter that will later get in the way of other things.
0: So it sounds like it's a pretty big cycle is what you're saying. And by the way, I know nothing of what you're talking about. I mean, I have, no, no, no clutter around this place at all. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great?
1: (laughs) For those of you who are listening who don't know this, we're doing this as a video conference. I'm actually sitting here with a glasses cleaning cloth, cleaning my glasses. And Amanda is sitting in a spotless white room with, (laughs) with every hair in place, looking absolutely perfectly composed, except for the fact that the jacket hanging on the back of her chair is slightly asymmetric. So... I, I believe her stories <laughs> about tons and tons of clutter.
0: Well, truth be told, I moved the uh, stacking files from behind my desk. So you wouldn't have to look at those the entire time. So you <laughs> All know, right. I can put them back if it'll make you feel better because they oh, are a mess.
1: The other way the clutter gets in the way of productivity is it literally creates mental clutter. Because if you walk into a room and everything is chaotic, it's distracting. If you see something you have to deal with, even if it's not what you have to deal with right now, some part of your brain just go, oh, right, I've still got to deal with that thing. You know, I have this other thing and then this other thing. So just the mere visual presence of all of this stuff reminds you of it every time you look at it and and causes your brain to have to switch modes, even if just a little bitty bit. And I know for me, there's a really distinctly different feeling to walking into a clean office versus walking into an office that has lots of stuff all over.
0: Absolutely. Well, and even when you're preparing meals at home or you're doing anything at home, so if you open the fridge and you go, oh, I need I need cream, and you look at that every time you open the fridge, how many times do you forget what you were actually going into the fridge for? Or you see something, I need to clean that out. I forgot those leftovers are still in there. Every time you look at that, you get distracted from what you're supposed to be doing. And it's like that syndrome where you have a thought and then you walk into another room and you completely forget what you were going to be doing. And then you have to walk back to the original room to remember what it was and go back and forth. And yeah, it happens all the time.
1: So you know what? I'm going to take this a little bit further here and say not only is it your physical desktop that is worth keeping clean, but your computer desktop too. Because the same thing happens with computers and even just with open windows. If if I have five windows open and they're overlapping, But if a little bit of my mail window is visible to the left of my word processor, and I'm working on a word processing document, and I look over and notice that I can just see the from line of an incoming email, and it's from somebody who is important to me, Well, all of a sudden now, I'm just going to take a second, just one little second to leave my word processing document and check the email. And how long is it going to take me until I get back to the email? Because as long as I'm checking email, well, there's Facebook. I mean, maybe someone left me a Facebook message too. And
0: And you have to see if anybody liked your status.
1: Oh, God, yes. What if they
0: didn't? I know. exactly.
1: (laughs) I'm a failure. (laughs) So clutter gets the way of productivity by distracting you, by making things take longer. And it's not just physical clutter. It's also electronic clutter. That can have the exact same effect.
0: Now, when we were talking earlier, you were telling me this example about paper clips and coins at your house, and how they—it was these little things that were driving you nuts. Can you tell um, our listeners about what what you had to do to really make that clutter go away?
1: I noticed that a big chunk of my clutter that would start things was these teeny tiny little things, like me taking the change out of my pocket and putting it on a side table, but then forgetting to collect it later. And I would have lots of little objects. And I finally said, I need to create a place for these, so when I find them around the house or when I have them in my hand, I know where to put them. So it's not just put them on the nearest surface. And I just got a Ziploc bag, that's where all of my paper clips go, Uh, For coins, I have a real live coin purse. I mean, what guy carries a coin purse? The answer is me. Why? So that I can keep all of my coins off of my surfaces in the coin purse. And then the thing that I didn't tell you also gets everywhere is pens. Because I'm the get-it-done guy and I'm a total stationary supply freak. So I have pens everywhere. I buy them by the case. And there is a place in their kitchen for all the pens. So whenever there is a pen that gets loose somewhere... It goes right on top of the refrigerator where the pen pile is. If a pen gets loose in my office, it goes right in the pen holder. And they used to just go wherever. And then finally I was like, no, these one tiny pen becomes the center of a growing pile of clutter if I'm not careful. So yeah. at this point, pens, paper clips, and coins, those are my things. Chapstick in the time, but you
0: know. <laughs> yeah, it's those little things. And, you know, I try to coach our Moxie Girl clients, if we're coming in to help them with organizing, I try to teach them to have a, a home for it wherever it already naturally collects. So a lot of our clients have kids and they have a lot of little things, you know, action figures and small toys that migrate from the toy room into the kitchen or into the living room, wherever they're not supposed to be. And you can either fight that or you can go, well, this is going to happen because this is where my kids bring it and it just naturally falls. So what we do is for most of our clients is have a basket of things that don't belong in this room or things that need to be put away. And so that way they can take those little things when they start to drop, whether it's their kids or their own stuff and just put it in that basket. And that is its home until it goes back to its permanent home. So I think that's a big thing with clutter is that things just don't have a home. And sometimes you don't want to have a basket sitting on your counter that's for things that don't belong in that room. But if it's happening already, just give those items a home. And so you know what to do with them and where to find them when it's time to deal with them.
1: Absolutely. You can even do that in an office. I know one of the things that I do when I am working out of an office in a large organization, and I, I normally am self-employed, but sometimes I've worked on-site places, is I put a box by the office door, which is stuff that needs to go elsewhere. And so if there's a report that I have to drop by someone's office, or if I borrowed a book or something like that, instead of going and returning it at the moment that I'm done using it, which might interrupt me or interrupt them or whatever, I just put it in that box. And then when I'm ready to temporarily leave my space for a little while, I'm like, okay, I've got to return this report to Len. I have to run this thing down to marketing. I have to take this other thing over to the administration building. And that way it all becomes one errand as opposed to becoming three separate errands that takes a lot more time. Although the three separate errands would be a better workout. So we'd have to consult the get fit guy, Ben Greenfield, to find out whether or
0: not. (laughs) Have to weigh those things out, see which one's more important. Depends on the date, probably. Well, how do you recommend people start the decluttering process?
1: You know, if you're going to start the decluttering process, I do something called speed dating your tasks. And with speed dating your tasks, you set a timer for 10 minutes, and then you do something for 10 minutes, and you stop, and you go on to the next task, and you speed date three or four tasks at a time. So one cycle will take you half an hour to 45 minutes. With decluttering, I would set my timer for 10 minutes, and I would do it probably four areas at once, or four kinds of things at once. So I would say, okay, I'm going to gather up all of the loose books, because I have loose books everywhere, because I read tons and tons of books. And I'm going to do that for 10 minutes. So 10 minutes is just going to be Consolidate book world. Then the next 10 minutes is going to be consolidate file folders. And then the next one is going to be get all that loose change and make sure it's all in the change bucket. And then the last one is going to be go around and pick up all of those paper clips and put them in the Ziploc bag, something like that. So I might sort it out by the type of thing, or I might sort it out by the room, 10 minutes on each room, or I might alternate clearing clutter with something else that maybe I think I'll enjoy more, like playing a video game because I'm a guy. Sorry, did I say playing a video game? What I meant was reading good, deep business theory books so that I can be that much better a consultant. I didn't actually say, oh, sorry. Um, uh, But then what I would do is I would spend 10 minutes cleaning my clutter, 10 minutes reading business books, quote unquote, 10 more minutes clearing clutter, 10 more minutes reading business books. And the thing about speed dating your tasks is you do it for 10 minutes, but then you stop. And you're like, oh, but I'm in the middle of it. I'm in. Nope, you still have to stop and go on to the next task. Because then, especially if you got into the groove, the whole thing you're thinking is, but I was in the groove. I want to get back to the groove. So when it cycles back around and it's time to do that thing again, you just jump right into it. Um, and that's my very favorite way of getting going with something is to do a round of speed dating my tasks.
0: So it sounds like what you're saying is you know, taking things in small 10-minute bunches really does help people get started. And something we were talking about earlier is that those small batch tasks can also help you start to feel the success early on and maybe create a little motivation and a little, um, little inspiration to keep going with things.
1: Absolutely. One of the things that your brain really responds to is the feeling of progress. So the more you get the feeling of, yeah, I'm making progress, the more you will be motivated to make even more progress. And when you're talking about clearing clutter, it's one of those tasks that you, you just need to slog all the way through it. And if you're going to do that, the more you can create the little bursts of, yes, I'm doing it, the more you'll be able to just go ahead and build the momentum and finally get all the way through and finish it up. Success begets success.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So now one of the other things that you and I were talking about before this call was that we both have a very similar tactic of you call it delete, then rescue. And how we apply it is, especially in closets, it's really hard to go through your closet and pick out items that you don't want to wear anymore. So what we do is when we're organizing somebody's closet, we take everything out and then make them choose what to put back in. And it sounds like you use a similar process you call delete, then rescue. And can you tell us about how you do that as well as you have a little monetary value to that?
1: Absolutely. Well, the basic idea of delete and rescue is you take some area of clutter, pile it all into a big old 33-gallon green trash bag, and then only pull out the things from the trash bag that you intend to keep. And for some reason, your brain deals separately with the question of what should I throw away versus what should I keep. Basically, you'll end up with less stuff if you put stuff in the trash bag and then rescue it versus if you take stuff off your shelf and throw it away that you don't want. If you want to really amp up the effectiveness of this, for everything you take out of the trash bag, you have to pay yourself some amount of money. I like to say $5, something like that, which means it really forces you to stop and think, how badly do I want to rescue this pen, which I've never used and got at a trade show six years ago for free? Because a lot of times we'll do things like keep something because you know we don't want to waste it, but it's being wasted sitting there in your office collecting clutter and you have no use for it and you're never going to touch it again. So by throwing it away and then putting a dollar value on rescuing it, it really forces you to confront, this is not worth $5 in my life, or a dollar, or even 10 cents. And there are things that aren't even worth $5. Like, I think the example we used uh, earlier was socks with a hole in them. If I have socks that have a little bitty hole in them, so they're still perfectly wearable, I might say I'm not going to throw those out because I could still wear them. But if I've thrown them out and now I have to pay money to rescue them, well, for socks, I wouldn't charge $5. I would say, if you want to rescue a sock, it's a dollar. But I would still go, well, wait a minute, would I pay a dollar for socks with holes in them? No, I wouldn't. So by putting the monetary, the monetary amount on it, it forces me to be rigorous about what I keep. And I can change the monetary amount and charge myself a dollar to rescue a sock, but $5 to rescue a pen or a stapler or a book or something like that.
0: Well, very cool. We better wrap things up for today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in today to this episode. Thanks to Stever for joining us and giving us his tips. Remember to uh, check both of us out on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us both there. Until next time, I'm the domestic CEO, helping you love your home.
1: And, and I'm the get it done guy, helping you work less, do more, and have a great life.
0: Thanks again to today's sponsor, nature Box. Hop on over to naturebox.com slash QDT to get 50% off of your first nature box.